Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, that was better. Um, okay, so today we're going to dwell a little bit further on the challenges which are posed by this Pasuk that we talked about last time, a Pasuk which Rashi acknowledges, you know, Rashi mentions what Chazal say, which we brought last time in the Midrashim, about the challenges which are there in the Pasuk. Vayinochim Hashem, Kiyoses, Adam Ba'aret, Hashem was either regretting or comforted that he made man on this earth. Those are the two primary interpretations. He had a change of feeling, that's Vayinochim, to, 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 to regret. Comforting is also a change of feeling. The root of the word is one. You know, one can feel bad about something, one can feel better about something. Just feels differently about the way they did before. Um, and he had a sadness that came to his heart. And, uh, you know, this Pasuk is filled with, with uh, challenge in the sense that, you know, here you have HaKadosh Baruch Hu changing his mind. How do you say that about the all-knowing? You know, sadness with regard to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's an introduction of interesting things and interesting ideas. We talked about it a little bit last time. And, um, and uh, we, we, we spoke specifically of, uh, of two things that, <clears throat> that uh, you know, require uh, you know, a, little bit more, a little bit more amplification. And I want to first read with you, I, on the sheet today, I put just two sources. One was Rabbeinu Bachia, and the other is uh, Pirkei Drabeliezer. Uh, really, you know, properly, there should be many more sources on the sheet and many more sources presented. But I want to I start with the, the, the last paragraph in Rabbeinu Bachia. You could jump down to there, which will sort of continue from where we, from the discussion, the serious discussion which we had towards the end of the last, last year, last time we got together. So this is speaking about the sadness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In the simple meaning, of course, the term heart, when it speaks to Hashem, is metaphoric. that speak about the mouth of Hashem, the eyes of Hashem, the ears of Hashem, the hand of Hashem, the feet of Hashem, Right? All of those things are not literal. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is, you know, incorporeal, and 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 so uh, it, it's these are all metaphoric terms to mean one thing or another. You know, there, as as I've said to you many times, and again, that's part of the failure of the sheet. But you know, the, 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 that it's not on here. But the you know the blame the sheet. I don't know who did this. Um, the the, the um, the the Rambam wrote a sefer called the Meir Nevuchim, and the first significant share of the sefer, significant portion of the sefer, is all about taking these kinds of expressions and trying to explain what they really mean. And this is a debate everywhere. Uh, the Targum famously doesn't translate these psukim in the literal form. The Targum was very cautious about anything which inclu- which in- implied on any level. Uh, these kinds of physical properties or even human reactions on behalf of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the, the Targum uses opportunities to change translations. The, 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 the Rambam tells you, you know, idiomatically what, the, what, you know, what these words, what these phrases mean. 
And so writes Rabbeinu Bachi, a simple pshat here, when it speaks about the heart of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's not a, a muscle that pumps, you know, in the Rabbeinu Shalom, you know, blood through his system. So what does it mean? Says the, the, the Rabbeinu Bachi, we already know clearly that Hashem's interest is good, to do good, to give good. Hashem desires, on account of tzidkai, on account of his generosity, of his giving. He's not interested in harm. You're not a God who's interested in any bad. Therefore, the Pasuk wants to inform us that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will is accomplished, he's happy, as it says, Yismach Hashem b'ma'asav, Hashem rejoices in his creatures. Ukshenasa ma'ashaloi chafetz, ye'omer boi v'yisatsev alibay. And when, ha- what, when it comes to pass what he doesn't want, it speaks about Hashem's sadness. Ki yefshu lanu lamed al ritzayne, lasayis mitzvasay. We cannot figure his will and to do his mitzvah we can only say it in human terms in other words he's explaining why does it use such terms if Hashem doesn't have a heart in the literal sense this is this is this is expressing things in human terms because that's the only way we're going to get it we're going to be able to understand it, it has to be described in terms of our assumptions. But the bottom line, says, says Rabbeinu Bachya, what this Pasuk is saying is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted his world to thrive. Hashem created the world lahative to give. And so here, where the world has to be destroyed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saddened. And we talked about this last time. We spoke about the idea, I, 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 what I want to do in the next few minutes is just you know, to talk about this, to, to bring it really, really home, and the best way I think we can do it is by talking about what we spoke about in the previous year and in the one before, and to see the linkage of it in this concept, which is so important, so fundamental to the human perception of life and of our relationship with the Rabbi Shalala. What is he saying? There is here, there is here a, a description of, of, of a divine sadness. What's the divine sadness? What, what, what is its nature? How does HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a certain sense change? So we talked about the fact, in the last time we got together, that the Rabboni Shalom is a constant. The Rabboni Shalom himself, Kemos Shahu, as he is, is a constant. Nothing about the Rabboni Shalom himself can be changed or altered by people. However, there is the question of the extension of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence elsewhere. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world to be native, to give. The method of giving is to create a new forum outside of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is in itself, of course, a primary impossibility. There is nothing outside of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ein oid milvadai. There is nothing other than him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to create yesh me'ayin. He had to create something where there was nothing, which doesn't just mean, you know, Snap your fingers, poof. When we think about Yesh Me'ayin, when we think about the miracle of Yesh Me'ayin, we think about the law of conservation of matter, and we think about, wow, if a person would be able to go like this, right? And suddenly in his hand is a ball of clay, 
wow, that's amazing, right? Check his sleeves. You know, like no human being would be able to do that. It's it's literally impossible. How could that possibly be? Okay, maybe you would be able to have somebody who would convert you know, gas molecules into into a cup of water. You know, nowadays you go, you can go to the Koso, right, and you can get a drink of water, which is made from thin air, right? You know, they, 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 they're, they're, there's an Israeli technology that draws water from the air and gives you a cup of water. You know, fantastic, great way to solve uh, problems as long as we still have air. So the 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 the, um, the, the that that's not yesh me'ayin. That's not something from nothing. That's something from something. It's just a conversion from one state to another. <coughs> yesh me'ayin. Wow, that's an amazing miracle that Hakadosh Baruch Hu created something that didn't exist before. Bara. The term bara is usually used specifically for that stage of creation, not fabricating something, but creating something from nothing, ex nihilo, as it is said in Yiddish. However, the, 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 the deeper meaning of yesh me'ayin is not just that that's a kunz, it's a great trick to create something where nothing existed, but nothing can exist other than HaKadosh Baruch It's not just nothing did exist. Nothing can exist. Einoid milvadai. HaKadosh Baruch all-encompassing. Right, and that concept, that mystical concept, you know, that Tzimtzum, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made himself smaller to make room for something else to exist. Right, so again, we can understand it with our smaller minds, you know, in a literal picture, you know, imagine like this big box called the universe, and there's no room for anything else because it's filled up with the Rabbanishon, the Rabbanishon says, you know, he'll inhale, he'll leave a little space, and in that space something else is created. Okay, that's one way. We understand as well, of course, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Go ahead, I'm creating you. Choose, be what you want. You have free choice. That's the ultimate. Simtum. Right? If, if you have the ability to enforce something, and you don't, right? you, you, can, you can give your, your child a task, and you can stand over the child, and every move they make that isn't quite right, you can adjust and you can fix. You have the power to do so. You have, the, you have the authority, ability, everything you have, you have the ability to do so. Do it. Givaldic, right? Then you're not left with a child. Right? You're left with a, a garnished. Right? So what do you do? You pull yourself back. You say, they'll do it. They might do it well. They might do it poorly. But they'll do it. And then I allow them to come into their own. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, surrendering the ability of his eminent domain over the things we do in the world, Right? The, 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 he puts away, locks up the lightning bolt that he could send anytime a person makes a bad choice to nuke him and to stop him and say, no, no, they'll make a bad choice and then they'll make another bad choice, they'll make another bad choice. Hopefully one day they're going to make some good choices. Maybe I'll guide them, send them some messages one way or the other. You know, some put some, some wake-up calls in their path. But ultimately I want them to do this as independently as possible. That's the tzimtzum, that's the moving back of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from the world. <clears throat> And that's the shrinkage of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want to shrink. He wants to fill the world. But on the other hand, he wants that there should be something other than him. But do you know what the magic solution is? That that something other than him should choose him and should embrace him and should say, yeah, 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 we have free choice. You know what we choose? We choose God. We choose good. We choose everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants in the world. So the tov that Hashem wants to give is given. 
So the space gets filled, that empty space which Hashem gets filled, but it gets filled with a, a line that then breaks down and melts together to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the perfect picture of the world. <clears throat> Hashem, right, from the world of two, we get back to a world of one. From the world of Bereshis, with a Beis, we get back to the world of Anoichi Hashem Aleichacha, with an Aleph. That's the ideal picture of it. And that we control. By definition, Bechira is the point, the point on the, on the picture, on the diagram of Yeshayid Milvadai, of something existing there other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the choice of man. That's the point. The point is the point of Bechira. And that means that when we choose well, Hashem expands into this space. When we choose not well, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is left out of this space. The sadness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is when he's left out of this space first. Yismach Hashem B'masav, the joy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his creatures, is when he's able to give to them. Ba'isatzeh is when he cannot give to them. We mentioned last week that in the Gemara it speaks about a shiur of Otsev or Sameach, or Seichik, actually, excuse me. Right? A, a, an Amma, which is Otsev, an Amma, which is sad, or an Amma, which is Seichik, an Amma, which laughs. Right? Did you ever meet a laughing Amma? Right? An Amma, which is Otsev, Otsev is a term for tight and shrunken. An Amma, which is Sameach, is a term, which is Sameach, joyous, is a term for something which is broad and expansive. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to spread into the world, and we frustrate that, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, but I left it up to them, so therefore it's not going to happen. That's the atzvus. That's the sadness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have to understand Hashem wants to give, and this pasuk is part of that, the, maybe the first of those theological expressions. Again, I've told you many times, I don't remember if I told you last week or not, I know I told it to somebody between last week and this week, but I, but, but I don't know if it was around this table, to remind you of the original debate between Chava and the snake. But I've told you so many times, you don't remember either whether I said it last week or before. But it's, it's the Yisod, 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 Yisod of the world of the Yetzir Hara, which is, tell me, does Hashem want you to have joy? Or does Hashem not want you to have joy? Hashem want to get you? Or Hashem want to give you? So the snake says to Chava, you know, Hashem said you can't have any, you see that beautiful garden, this paradise you live in, you know Hashem doesn't want you to have that. So what are you talking about? Hashem wants us to have that. <clears throat> yeah, 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 he wants you to have that. That's tiddlywinks. The good stuff, that tree he doesn't want you to have. That tree's poison. No, 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 that's not poison. He told you it's poison. It's really, wow, if you eat that, you become like HaKadosh Baruch Hu itself. Right, the snake is there telling people, religion puts you in prison. You know, it just, it just locks you up. You know, it's, 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 just, it's such an amazing thing, right, to tell people about keeping Shabbos. I can't keep Shabbos. A whole day, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to turn on lights and I get able to drive and I get able to do this. I understand, you see it as a prison. So I just have to ask you a question. How is it that like, virtually every 
certainly every mature adult who I've met in the world who keeps Shabbos finds it the most liberating day of the whole week, the most fulfilling day of the whole week. Why is it if it's a prison? Do you ever think about that? The, the normal way a person would look at Shabbos from the outside is, what? You can't? You can't do this? You can't do that? And tell me something. Anybody want to try? I, I happen to, it happens to be, I spoke to the Baruch earlier. He gave me a few coupons. Anybody wants, I can give you a coupon. Take off the next four Shabbos. You can do whatever you want. Hashem will fragin you. Anybody want? Only a few coupons. Going fast. Anybody want them? Next four weeks, no Shabbos. You guys are... Oh, should we do this like by secret ballot or something? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, the polling is right? a little faulty here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what people say, well, what are you talking about? Right? Imagine life without Shabbos. It's horrifying. Horrifying. <clears throat> do, do you relate to what I'm saying? You guys are like stone-faced. Not really. Hmm? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that is the beauty of Shabbos. The fact that you can. I mean, that's what makes it so liberating. Yeah. <clears throat> Paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Restriction produces freedom. 100%. And it's, it's mamish. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it gives you space for things that you know, got crowded out. So wh- why am I bringing that as an example? Just, it's, a, it's an example. The, the, the word of the, of the snake is... HaKadosh Baruch Hu's closing off from you all of these wonderful things. When in fact, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing is he's closing you off from things that if he didn't close them off from you, they would be fatal. Right? With that, right? Absence of Shabbos is fatal. Is it fatal to the body? No, it's not fatal to the body. Is it fatal to life? It's fatal to life. A person never has a Shabbos. Right? It's what, what's life? Excuse me for see, speaking so strongly, but this is the way we feel it. This is the way we experience it. Right? And if someone feels, what are you talking about? Hey, try it. Try it for a year and then tell me what you think. Tell me if it's prison or if it's heaven. But that's the world of it. The Pasuk conveys that to us here. HaKadosh Baruch is about to destroy the world. You know how many faiths would say this? HaKadosh Baruch Hu leaned back and he let out his wicked laugh. <laughs> and he destroyed them. In a world of God being part of power politics, that's the way you would see it. Pasuk describes Hakadosh Baruch was sad. He was disappointed. We would say he's smaller because the space he cannot occupy. My handiwork is being washed away in the sea, and you're going to say songs to me, Malachim. The Egyptians are drowning. I just had to write off a community. How could this be? Right? And remember, we talked many times about the relationship between Noach. And Yaina. And that's the lesson of Yaina. Yaina says, get them. They're nasty. 
And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, what are you talking about? I don't want to see this place go down. That's what we talked about. <clears throat> and remember that that's what we saw in people as the head of the Daramabul. Remember our discussion about Veshiches Arza, about using an opportunity to produce and to create, to create life, and instead to spill it to the ground, instead to bring <laughs> destruction, that the whole parting of the road is from HaKadosh Baruch wanting to give life to people introducing into the world death. We read yesterday Parsha Shmois, and one of the big things, I think it's a very big yesai that one has to understand, is that Sefer Shmois is the second version of creation. What does that mean? Because from Sefer Shmois, we're going to come to Harsina, which is to get back to Gan Eden. And it's, you know, I think I mentioned to you many, many, many moons ago, maybe well, well over a year ago, perhaps, I don't know, that uh, how old was Yechevel when she gave birth to Maishu Rabbeinu? 130. Who else was 130 years old when they gave birth? Adam and Chava were 130 years old when they gave birth to Shes, who's the source of the world. Hevel Shes Maisha. That's what Maisha stands for. Right? You know, and the idea <laughs> that the Mialdes Ayivriyos are the ones who help the women give birth. And they say to Paro, they have no problem giving birth. They give birth so easily. What does that sound like? The curse of Chava is off. It's over, baby. Right? They're coming out so prolifically, so easily. What happened to Mutzazach? Uh, Hard. No, it's, it's, that's it. This is the emergence of the Jewish people, which is going to supposed to come, supposed to, come to Har Sinai. Okay, so there's going to be the Golos Mitzrayim that's going to get in the way. But it's production of life that is the path of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Taitzois Chaim, the production of life, and it was the introduction of death that was its opposite, and the resistance to produce life, and whether the resistance appears in nature, as in the difficulty of the childbirth process, or the difficulty is clearly initiated by man, who takes an opportunity for producing life and makes it into opportunity of self-indulgence, and destruction of potential life. That's what the Cheda was about. <laughs> and that's why it says when they're doing this stuff, that that's when they saw Hashem's sadness. Because now Hashem was put, because people were on the path of destruction of life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to go on the path of the destruction of life. You gotta want life. You gotta build life. Gotta generate life. You gotta it's it's giving, 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 giving. Okay, part one. Now let's go back to the first paragraph of Rabbeinu Bachi. What does mean There are different terms which are used when it comes to creation. Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. Also is usually a term for finishing the job. And he says that means taking the tzura, the shape, and imposing it on the goylem, on the raw, unformed matter. He says when it comes to those two terms which, is used for, which are used for the creation of man, it's tzelem and mus, 
Rabbeinu Bachya says a chidush, which he says in more than this place, that demus refers to the raw matter and selam refers to the shape and the form. Right? It says, So there it refers to Bria. Uh, Bria is the Tsura, Asiya is the Dmus, and he explains it with a twist that what happened was that he. Um, he finished the tzura, attaching it to the gadlam, shaping it and forming it. That's the demus alikim It's a difficult interpretation. The kivin shad mus perushay gadlam shamer bidmus alikim ukmei eved alikim. Shor eved chutz mimenu. Demus alikim is a matter which came from Hashem, but isn't Hashem, as like an eved alikim, which is not Hashem, just a servant of Hashem. Alkena yimisnachim al arkov azis lemer. And he says, and therefore, when it says in our Pasuk, Hashem Nicham, that he made Adam Ba'aretz, is that he's upset that he put the soul and attached it to the body. As it says, It would have been easier had man not been created. Al it doesn't say on the earth, but Ba'aretz in the earth. Because man became enmeshed in physical desire. Okay, so Rabbeinu Bachia is giving a sophisticated explanation. He is uh, is uh, is noting as well, you know, the idea of the um, of the of the man being made in the earth, an idea which we found in the Medrash, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was upset, and he's going to cite, that he made man Ba'aretz in the physical world, because man became Amish part of the physical world, sunken in Gufnius, sunken in physicality and materialism. And uh, that's the regret which Hashem has, that he made man Ba'aretz, not Al-Aretz, but Ba'aretz. And this is the Vayinochem Hashem, that he put the, his soul onto the physicality of man because of how difficult that combination became. Okay, so I'm reading to you that, which is the literal commentary of Rabbeinu Bachia, before Rabbeinu Bachia's go on to more of a discussion. And again, it is meant to some degree to remind us uh, or to, to bring up the other part of the Medrash that we learned last time. What did we learn in the Medrash last time? We learned in the Medrash two pshatim. One was that Hashem regretted making man on the earth because had Hashem not put the human being in the physical world, he wouldn't have made these kinds of mistakes. Now that we're in the physical world, we do all the stuff, we make all of these mistakes, we become creatures of physicality. And that's the problem which Hashem had in creation. Continues Rabbeinu Bachya. He says, look at the words of Shleim HaMelech in Kohelis, where he praised the Tzura, the shape, the form, meaning the Neshama, when it was not yet attached to the Gailam, to the material stuff. 
It says, I praise the dead who are no longer living, and I praise even more the one who didn't live yet. Okay? So nice, depressing words from Kohelis. What does this mean? The sages of Mechkar, of exploration, they already said this Moshal in three ways. There's a tzura which has never been attached to a golem, to a, to a, to a raw matter. They compare that to the king who's sitting in his palace. The second is a tzura which has separated from the golem. That's compared to a melech There was a king who there was a coup d'etat and he was taken prisoner. And then he was released from prison and restored to the throne. That's the tzura that was liberated from the golem. That's the neshama that's liberated from the body. And the tzura that's still attached to the golem, that's compared to the king who is sitting in jail. He said, the first situation is better than the second, and the second is better than the third. Right? The first is when he's still in his palace. The second is when he's back in his palace. And the third is the in-between stage, not the third chronologically, <laughs> the second chronologically, when he is still imprisoned. So, Shlema Melech is saying, you know, before the soul ever enters the body, before it has any connection to the body, it is so much better off. And that's Hashem's regret, sadness, that he put the soul into the body. But then you might have a little question. <laughs> if it's better not to have been put into the world, then why did Hashem ever put it into the world? I'm sorry, I read so much at once. But this is what he says. He says, I don't get it. Hashem says at the end of the sixth day of creation, after he created man, after he put the soul into the body, he saw everything that he did, and it was very good. And that includes man. And parenthetically, we would note that arguably it said most about man because it already said good about this, good about that, good about the animals. The only thing that it created subsequently was the body-soul combination known as man. And on that it says, so it says about the whole creation because man somehow includes all of the creation, but it's, it's certainly not exclusive of man. Hashem looked at it and he said it was great, fantastic. And Shlomo HaMelech said, what a mistake. The best thing, toiv mishneem, the same word, toiv mishneem, is asher adein is the soul that's still floating around the never-never land, right, in the world of the neshamas, that hasn't attached itself to the body. When Hashem says it's good that there's a soul attached to the body, how do you put those two things together? 
the response to this is in a certain sense the first one is better than the second and the third why because it did not experience the anguish or the damage it had not been attached at all to physicality but if it does attach itself to the body and then it is able to disengage purely as it came. Then you see the greatness of the soul. Then it has been tested like pure gold. That's why the souls of the righteous yearn to return to their original place. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Torah says, oh, it's so good that the soul can come down and be attached to the world and survive as a soul. It has to be tested. If it's not tested, then you don't know if it's good. It's true of everything, Right? A person has kankanim, right? That's the language of the Medrash. A person has a bunch of weak barrels. He doesn't go knocking them to see if they're okay. He knocks them. He knows that they're going to crumble. Right? He has a tashem tzadikivchan. Right? The righteous one who has some strength. He says, let me show you its stuff. Let me show you its stuff. He gives it a knock and he sees what will happen. The soul has a great challenge coming down to the world. It's so much better if it comes to the world and it makes it through and it comes out. That's the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates man on this earth, says Rabbeinu Bachir. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at man and he saw, uh-oh, it's not working. In this phase, the soul had lost out to the body. And here again, I ask you to think back to all of our discussions about this. The Bnei Ho'elikim, the Bnei Adam, the children of God, the daughters of man, how the soul from above could be brought down. Adkan B'Tselem. Till now it was in the image of God, but then it lost the image of God. Yes, the path to better is the road less traveled, certainly at this point in history, and still at our point, at this point, I was referring to the biblical story over here, and even at our point in history, it's a big, it's a very challenging <coughs> one. But for the winner, for the soul that emerges unscathed, neshama shenasata bi ta'irahi, right? Halavai, I wish that I'd be able to give it back with the purity with which I received it. That's the task of the person in the world, and that is the true test of the neshama to be able to triumph. We mentioned, I think, in our discussion a little bit last week, that the soul goes to the Elam HaNashamais and it is frustrated, writes the Ramchal, that it's not able to have its impact here on the world. It's just up there in a world of souls. It's relieved that it doesn't have all of the difficulty and the damage that is inflicted upon it, all the constraints which are inflicted upon it by the world. But on the other hand, it's also frustrated because... Mm-hmm. It can't impact. And that's the way life works. If you want to have a bigger impact, 
you have to go into a more challenging arena. It's just the way it works. They want to spread. They have to spread beyond. So they have to go someplace where they're not. This is, to make a long story short, Rabbeinu Bachia's understanding of this Pasuk. Right now, it was an example of the soul's failure to conquer. And that was a sadness for Akash Baruch. It wasn't the intention. The intention was that the soul should win. But the soul has Bechira, as we mentioned before. Right? The Etev, the space HaKadosh Baruch Hu leaves in the world. And when the soul is losing, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not happy. It would have been better had they not been put into the world. Had they not been put into the world, they wouldn't have gone this way. Now that is the easy part. The hard part is the part, the other part of the Medrash we learned last week. And that is, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm happy. But you know how much Hashem was comforted that he made man on this earth. Because he said, if I would have made him up here, he would have ruined the heavens. And that's a challenge for us. Because we have to understand how that works. Right? It's a challenge we posed last time and we said we would try to talk about it some more. So we're trying to fulfill that pledge. That, that uh, if he would have made it, I mean, like the second part of the matters we get. Hashem said, because I put him in the earth, that's why he's sinning. If I would have put him up here, he wouldn't have sinned. That's a perspective we understand. To say we would be up there, we would be in that world of Shleim HaMelech, the Neshamas that weren't yet made, that we, w- we would cause the world to rebel? What does that mean? How could the Malachim upstairs rebel? So this is one of a series of things that we have punted. Sorry for the football metaphor. I'm sorry. It still, it still makes people pain. Right, right? But the, 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 uh, that, we, that we punted over the past several psukim. Because there are a lot of strange things which are said about Malachim of the same vein. For example, the discussion of the Nephilim. Who are the Nephilim? Nephilim are giants. But Rashi brings an interpretation that these were the angels that fell from the heavens and then were lured after the women of the earth. And those are the Beneho Elohim, literally the angels, not godly men but the angels who had relations with the daughters of man and straight after them. Let's read the Pirkei Rebeliezer. Man lived 130 years and he gave birth in his image and his form. Oh, it says this in introduction of the birth of Shes. It didn't say it for Cain. So this tells us that Cain wasn't Betzelem and the Mus of Adam. And his actions were not like the actions of Hevel. Sheis was born. Sheis was of the image of, he was the seed of man. He was of the Mus of man. He gave birth in his image in his form. So, so it says... 
that Kayan, it doesn't say it was B'dmusay Ketzalma. Now by Hevel, it also doesn't say B'dmusay Ketzalma. But the Pasuk doesn't start with the birth of Kayan. So therefore, with the birth of Hevel, rather. So we're saying Sheis was B'dmusay Ketzalma, Tachas Hevel, in place of Hevel. Kayan wasn't. Now we, we saw this Pirkei Rebeliezer many moons ago, and this is part of the school of thought. Right? The, the Pirkei Rebeliezer Kedarko is saying it more delicately, then the Zayar, for example, which says that it was the snake that provided the seed from which Cain was created, whereas Adam provided the seed from which Hevel was created, from which Shes was created. Okay, but we don't have to get into the mystical aspects or, or whatever it is, the stuff which sounds you know, more distant. Cain did not represent the godliness of the image that was there in his father, that was there in his parents. Says, any tzaddik is traced back to Shes. Any evil is traced back to Kain. Those who the Rishoyim who are sinners and rebel against Hashem and they say, We need not your raindrops. And we need not to know your ways. As they said, they said to God, move away from us. Now, by the way, this is completely, completely parenthetical, but it's worth storing away this medrash in your mind or making a note of it, asterisking it and taking the sheet home. See, people who reject God, they have to reject God on two counts. We don't need your reign and we don't need to know your ways. What does that mean? We deny the physical sustenance which is dependent on God, and we deny the spiritual meaning which we would get from God. <coughs> it's a twin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us physical life, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us spiritual direction. What, you're going to turn to the Rabbanshim for the physical things and say, but Rabbanshim, when it comes to, to uh, spiritual things, you know, for that, I'll be okay. It doesn't work. Right? One might say in this medrash that it's a fulfillment of the pasuk that we have in Parshas Hazinu. What is it? Yarev kamotar likhi tizal katalim rasi. May my lessons come like rain. May they drip down upon you like dew. The Torah, the spiritual, together with the physical. Both of them going together, coming together, coming together and being delivered. To, to say, I don't want the Rabbana Shalalam, is I don't want your material presence, I don't want your spiritual presence. You can't believe in Hashkochas Hashem and forget about the Torah. You can't believe in the Torah to get the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not feel dependent on him in physical reality. Okay. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, now this is where we get to the, to the difficult stuff of the Medrash, the punchline, so to speak. You know, that the men and women in the days of Cain, they walked around unclothed, completely, like animals. They violated themselves with every kind of immorality. They were involved in all kinds of incestuous acts, no boundaries, out in the open. 
through their negative drive and the thoughts of the heart, it was visible, the tremendous evil of man on the earth. Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe said. Okay, so that, okay, you can live with that too, right? It was a decadent, immoral world, the world of Cain. And it's not so shocking either, right? The only shock is, we thought, you know, we had a whole discussion for months about whether Cain did tshuva, right? Uh, after HaKadosh Baruch rebuked him. Even if he did, it didn't have the necessary impact on his generations. Rebbe Aimer. Okay, now it gets worse. The Malochim who fell from their place in the heaven, they saw the descendants of Cain walking around like that. With their eyes painted like Zainais, like women of ill repute, and they strayed after them. And they married women from them. That cryptic pasuk of a few psukim ago, and the sons of God saw the daughters of man, that they were good, and they went after them. They took from whatever they chose. Who are those Bnei Olim? They're angels who fell from the heavens into the earth. And they saw these women, and they joined the party. I don't get it. Malochim are fiery. How do they have relations with people? How could the fire come in contact with the flesh and survive? Whoever finds that sounding familiar deserves a donut. I don't have any to give you, but you deserve one. Where do you have a Pusuk like that? It's unbelievable. Where do you have a Pusuk like that? The Pusuk says those words. Where? At Mamad Har Sinai. It says, Kimi basa kol basar ashashama koila lekim chayim medaber mitay chayesh kamoinu vayechi. Is there any flesh that could see, encounter the word of Hashem coming from the fire and survive? So the, the Medrash is asking the same question. Malochim have relations with human beings and they will not burn them up? You understand how it's, to say it's the distance of east from west is an understatement. The encounter of the divine soul standing at our Sinai, teaching Torah with human beings who said, no, 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 Maisha, we don't want to hear it secondhand. We want to hear from HaKadosh Baruch Oh, but one second. The, the fire of Hashem and the flesh of human beings. And here we have the Mabel. The Mabel. The angels having relations with the generation of women of ill repute, where that was the whole generation. And they have relations with them. <laughs> How could the fire of the angels have relations with the flesh and not burn it up? It's like the opposite extreme. Some of you were in shul yesterday. You heard the magnificent, excellent drusha, which was given, right? Maybe some of you heard some echoes of discussions that we've had and had echoes of discussions that we have yet to have about Noach and Matan Torah, Noach and Moshe Rabbeinu, right? The 
one is a Gilgal of the other. Right? But listen to the opposites here. I mentioned it in the Monday night cheer last week. This is the simple pshat, by the way. Excuse me for another parenthesis. I've used a lot of parentheses today. I'm sorry. The, what's the, that's the simple pshat of the Mare Hasneh, of the image of the burning bush. Why does God appear in the burning bush? Where does he appear in the burning bush? He appears at Haro Elikim, Chayrev, at Har Sinai. This is the original appearance to Maishar Abenu at his ultimate destination. And what's the image? The fire connected to something which it's expected to consume, but it doesn't consume it, which is what's going to happen at Har Sinai, where the fire of Hashem encounters human beings and it doesn't consume it. That's the unbelievable madrega, the greatest madrega, that we're able to engage with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not be consumed. But guess what? The same thing happened with the angels having physical relations with the daughters of man. So maybe it's not so exciting. It's extremely exciting. You know why? Because listen to what the Medrash says. When those angels fell from the heavens from their holy spot, their strength, their stature was like people. And their clothes, their dress was gush afar, was a clump of earth. They weren't malachim. They weren't those cool white-winged babies, right, with the ring sticking out from the back of their collar, going up over their head, the stick. I don't think they have a stick. The malachim don't have a stick. Right? But, 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 but right, it's just, it's just like that halo hanging over. No, that wasn't what these malachim looked like. They looked like prosta people. And the Medrash goes on to say that's where the giants came from. So says the Medrash, no problem. You know why it didn't burn them up? Because they weren't fiery. They were earthy. And you know why in Harsina it didn't burn them up? Because we weren't earthy, we were fiery. There's no easier, better way for us to say this and to understand the two sides of this medrash. A human being is a combination of body and soul. We're created on this earth. Hashem puts it into us in a shama. The goal is that the soul, the divine soul of HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and makes the, the body into fire. That's why the flesh of Adam Arishayim even the heel, which is like the deadest flesh in a human being, shone brighter than the sun, as the Gemara says. It means the soul can encounter the flesh, and it will survive if the flesh doesn't remain flesh. Right? Somebody used the term before in the pre-game show about being on fire, right? That's it, right? <laughs> being on fire, right? That that does hit us. That's what it is when a person is on fire in the positive sense of the term, then, cha-ching. That's what happened at Arsinai. Arsinai was the moment we were waiting for. Arsinai was back in Gan Eden. Arsinai was the pinnacle of creation. Souls on fire. Elie Wiesel wrote a book by that name. Right? 
That's what it is. Angels in the dust. What's that? You know, Rashiva Rav Rum, as the used to always say this. We say, no, The Malochim are all nervous at the Yem Adin. They're all nervous. What are Malochim nervous about? I understand what we're nervous about, but what are they nervous about? Right, so maybe they're nervous because of the world that they serve. We said, when Malochim come down with Surah Sadam, they sin. They can sin. Malachim, who came to Avram Avinu, said, uh-oh, you know, we're going to destroy this place, because I'll say, Bali Gaiva, it's not you. Right? It's not you. So they got punished, and they had to wait to, to destroy Sodom until whatever. It's Rashi and Chomish. Rashi brings it. When a Malach gets dressed up as a person, he starts to have Bechir. That's good. But those were sent Malachim who were sent on a mission they were sent by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to visit Avram. They were sent by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to destroy Sadaim. Have you ever heard of Malachim falling out of the heavens? I mean, that's a major workman's comp complaint. <laughs> what, what does that mean, Malachim falling out of the heavens? It means they're not sent down to this earth. They fall to the earth. Why? How? The Malachim only exist for the earth. And from here we see, Mamish, this is the language of the Medrash. This is the language of this Pirkid Rebeliezer, that they fell from the earth. This is the language of the Medrash, that if, if man would be up in heaven and behaving this way, he would destroy them all, is that the Malachim themselves are subject to the influence of people. They could be brought down by people. Malochim were created not on the first day of creation, on the second day of creation, right? That's a Rashi as well in Chumash. On the second day... I'm sorry you've been waiting. I have the key. I'm happy to give it to you. The the the, um, the second day of creation, when Hashem created the gap between the heavens and the earth, when He separated the heavens and the earth, so then we need malachim. What does that mean? If Hakadosh Baruch Hu fills the earth, you don't need malachim. Right? He's here. A malach is a messenger. Right? If you have one office, you don't need messengers. Right? You just reach over here. You reach over there. If you have, uh, you know, if you have your downtown office and your 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 Towson office, then you need a messenger. Right? For the one piece of paper that still exists in the world, right? You need a messenger to take it back and forth. Who separated heaven and earth on the second day he created the Malachim. The Malachim are there you know, to bring what God wants to the earth, to go back to the Rabbi Nishalaylam. They're here for the sake of people, the intervening spiritual worlds, and we can corrupt the destination point so significantly that it corrupts the messengers. It corrupts that intermediate world. 
we brought down the world. We brought down the malachim. The malachim who are there to deliver the divine to the human being. And instead, we so sullied ourselves that the malachim collapsed. They fell to the earth. They joined our culture. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, but you know something? Okay, there were those malachim who fell from the heavens. But it's in a, they are in a separate place. There is a separate place, a separate world called the heavens that I created. There is a spiritual world that will maintain some of its integrity. There's Yerushalayim Shel Mala and Yerushalayim Shel Mata. There's a Jerusalem in heaven and a Jerusalem on earth. Now you're familiar with that. Yerushalayim Yerushalayim that is built, it is like the city that it is connected, held together. The connection is strong and fast, together. So Chazal say, it means that there's a Yerushalayim above, there's a Yerushalayim below. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will not enter my Yerushalayim Shalmala until you're able to enter the Yerushalayim Shalmata, until you're able to enter the Yerushalayim down below. I will not enter Yerushalayim in heaven until you enter Yerushalayim below. So what does that mean? It means that there is both. And it means that one is influenced by the other. But one isn't destroyed by the other. Yerushalayim Shalmala still exists. It's just not at full strength because we don't have the one down here. And that's, in a certain sense, what you have here. So, Kodesh Baruch says, had I put man in heaven, had, I, had there not been a separate world, now, of course it has to be the man who has physicality within him. But, you know, you could take the combination of body and soul, like we said last week, you could take the bottom, combination of body and soul and put it in the world of the body, down here. You can pick, take the combination of body and soul and bring it up to the heavens, up there. And Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shamayim at the time of Matan Taira. If humankind had access to that world, the influence on the Malachim would be that much more. So again, it sounds like, I'm just saying words, it doesn't make any, it's not, not sensible, but what it's saying is that there is a mistorim, mistorim, there is a protected space of spirituality within the world, the universe, I should say, you know, just to say, you know, above this that we touch, that HaKosh Baruch Hu preserves, chutz mimenu, outside of him, the good guys. They're very connected to us, but there's also a distance between us. They're connected to us, they fall into the earth, some of it falls to the earth, that's the, the disasters, the spiritual disasters. But there's also a distinctiveness, a dis- discrete nature to that spiritual world to preserve a spiritual core. I know this sounds otherworldly, and there's one simple reason. It is. It is. But, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know, to, to me, I would like to just 
to, to, to end by going back to this image of the contrast between Sinai and the meeting of the fire in the flesh and the Mabul and the meeting of the fire in the flesh. It's, a, it's an incredible contrast. And Sinai is the moment where Chazal say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu lowered the heavens onto the earth. That's the language of Chazal. That's the way they understand. They lowered the heavens onto, Hashem lowered the heavens onto the earth. That's when the earth can be on fire, in the good way. The Mabel was also, in a certain sense, erasing the barriers between heaven and earth. The windows of the heavens opened up. All of my separations, including the separation between heaven and earth, the waters bubbled up from below, they descended from above. There was an erasure of the barriers between heaven and earth. Because the heavens themselves, to some degree, were corrupted. It wasn't a good erasure of the barriers between heaven and earth. The heavens themselves, the corruption was so deep, so deep, that the whole thing had to start again. Perhaps, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the pledge after the Mabel that there won't be complete and utter destruction, is that to some degree from then on, angels wouldn't fall to the earth. Okay? The Migdash Shalmala will be closed until further notice. But angels won't fall to earth. There'll be, that spiritual core will be preserved stronger. I can't bring you a proof at this point that that's the case, but Magishim these are the two pieces of what I wanted to learn with you today in this Pasuk. The sadness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yismach Hashem HaMasav. Hashem rejoices in creating and giving and, and making more. He wants to pull back to give us free choice, but then we self-destruct. That was the story of the Mabel. People who sought destruction instead of the giving, the giving, the giving, the giving of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then this idea. Man on earth, man in heaven, angels sinning. Like, what's going on over here? What's this whole thing? So this is perhaps a little bit of an explanation of, of, uh, of what happens. It's Hashem. Next time we'll continue with the next passage. Okay. Um, this understanding that the